Did you know the Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Welcome to the Financial Times Big Read, a weekly podcast featuring the best of our long-form reporting from around the world. I'm Anna Dedda from the Comment and Analysis Desk. There were great hopes for a new type of drugs that remove breaks in the immune system to let the body fight cancer, says David Crow. But disappointing results from large-scale trials have left some pharma groups with big losses and some on Wall Street believing expectations from the therapies were overblown. Now, as the companies trial the so-called checkpoint inhibitors as combination treatments, David says there's talk of a takeover among companies in the sector. When Kerry Parton pulled a back muscle playing golf four years ago, he hardly gave it a second thought. But after several fruitless trips to a chiropractor, a series of x-rays turned up a grim discovery. Mr Parton was suffering from advanced stage 4 lung cancer that had spread to his bones and organs. The tumour in his liver was the size of a fist. He was given two rounds of chemotherapy, neither of them successful, at which point doctors told his wife he might be dead in six months. He was 59. He recalls, The big goal was to see my 60th birthday. Then, in June 2013, Mr Parton enrolled in a trial at the University of California, Los Angeles, where he received a new type of drug made by Merck & Co., the US Pharmaceuticals Group. The medicine, Keytruda, was a checkpoint inhibitor, a type of immunotherapy that removes breaks in the immune system to unleash the body as a weapon against cancer. The drug saved his life. Before starting the treatment, Mr Parton had been left virtually crippled by bone tumours that were pressing on his spine, causing multiple fractures. But by the time he celebrated his 60th in October 2013, he said he felt pretty good and the following January he returned to work. Today, his weekly exercise regime consists of three trips to the gym, several three-mile walks, and a round of golf on Sunday. His tumours have shrunk in size by 95%. Since the first checkpoint inhibitors went on sale in late 2014, they have produced some remarkable results helping even the sickest patients survive for months or years longer than might have been expected. But Mr Parton is one of the lucky ones. Despite all the enthusiasm, the drugs only benefit 20 to 30% of cancer sufferers. Bob Hugan, chairman of the biotech company Celgene, says, Immunotherapy is not a silver bullet. Checkpoint inhibitors only work in a minority of patients. Early hopes that pharmaceutical companies would be able to quickly raise response rates by combining the drugs with other medicines have not yet been borne out by large scientific studies. Now, the leading makers of immunotherapies are racing to find a way of extending their benefits to a larger group of patients 
while justifying the lofty valuations bestowed on them. Recent events at Bristol-Myers Squibb, which helped pioneer checkpoint inhibitors, suggest progress will not be smooth. Last August, the company dropped a bombshell when it revealed its checkpoint inhibitor, Opdivo, had flunked a large clinical trial. That trial concluded the medicine was less effective for untreated or first-line lung cancer patients than chemotherapy. Patients taking Opdivo survived on average for four months before their tumours started to grow or spread. Those on chemotherapy, the poisonous cocktail of drugs that has been a mainstay of cancer treatment for decades, went for six months before their disease progressed. After sailing through every previous trial, most investors were expecting Opdivo to succeed in the study. Mark Schoenenbaum, a veteran pharmaceuticals analyst at Evercore ISI, the investment bank, described the failure as the biggest clinical surprise of my career. Bristol-Myers insisted it could recover by developing a combination medicine that paired Opdivo with Yervoy, an older, complementary therapy that releases a different break in the immune system. Encouraged by the results of earlier scientific studies, the company told investors it might be able to seek rapid regulatory approval to use the cocktail in first-line lung cancer patients at some point this year. But last month, the company upset investors again when it said it had decided not to pursue an accelerated regulatory pathway for the combination therapy following a review of clinical trial data. Its reluctance to share further details with analysts has left investors speculating as to what prompted such a swift change of heart. In an emailed statement to the Financial Times this week, Giovanni Caforio, Bristol-Myers' chief executive, said, While acknowledging the competitive landscape continues to evolve, we believe the combination of Opdivo and Yervoy has the potential to play an important role in first-line lung cancer treatment. Investors have also been unnerved by the actions of AstraZeneca which is studying a combination of two immunotherapies that is very similar to the one being investigated by Bristol-Myers. Last month, the Anglo-Swedish drugmaker pushed back the completion date for its large lung cancer trial and altered the design. Some interpreted the move as a sign the company was losing faith in the virtue of twinning the two medicines. Shares in Bristol-Myers are down by more than 30% since August while its market capitalization has dropped by more than $35 billion to $87 billion over the same period. The company's travails reflect the unpredictability of drug development and the giddy excitement that can take hold on Wall Street in the early stages of a medical breakthrough. Some analysts were predicting Bristol-Myers would generate up to $12 billion of revenues from Updevo by the end of the decade as oncologists chose its immunotherapies rather than chemotherapy to treat the majority of lung cancer patients. They proffered such estimates even though there had been no large clinical trials showing that the drug was better than existing therapies for most patients. Since launching Opdivo in December 2014, Bristol-Myers has built a blockbuster drugs franchise, generating more than $3.8 billion in sales last year. It secured regulatory approval to treat melanoma before winning permission to use the medicine on a range of other cancers, including Hodgkin lymphoma and in the kidney and head and neck.
But the main driver of revenues has been the rapid uptake among oncologists treating second-line lung cancer that has already been treated with chemotherapy, but is no longer responding to the poisonous treatment. The biggest prize was yet to come. The chance to usurp chemotherapy as the drug of choice for untreated first-line lung cancer patients, described by analysts at Leerink, an investment bank, as the single largest market opportunity in oncology. Roughly 222,500 people will be diagnosed with lung cancer in the US this year, while around 156,000 will die from it. Only breast and prostate cancer are more common, although they kill far fewer people. Bristol-Myers' hopes of dominating the first-line lung cancer market started to fade with the failure of the trial in August, and have dimmed still further as it dashed expectations for a quick approval of its combination therapy. Now, some investors say they detect hubris in the company's strategy. When the lung cancer trial failed, the company's subsequent conviction of the effectiveness of combining Opdivo with Yervoy gave false hope, according to some investors. Brad Longcar, founder of the Longcar Cancer Immunotherapy Exchange Traded Fund, which holds shares in Bristol-Myers, says, Shareholders are angry. A ton of people loaded up on the shares after the first trial failed. But in hindsight, they exuded too much confidence about having a plan to get out of the hole in a semi-near time frame. Another investor says the company has been ideologically dogmatic about the benefits of combining two immunotherapy drugs. Analysts suggest the fall in Bristol-Myers' value has turned it into a takeover target, most likely for Pfizer or Novartis. Timothy Anderson, an analyst at Bernstein, said in a recent note to investors, Why doesn't Pfizer just buy Bristol-Myers today, given its floundering share price? Investment bankers have started to chatter about such a takeover, according to one senior banker who says Wall Street is already salivating at the huge fees that would be earned by working on a transaction that has the potential to be the biggest pharma deal of all time. Analysts say the biggest beneficiary will be Merck. One large life sciences investor who holds shares in both companies says, It is pretty amazing that the company that drove all the innovation is slowly becoming second fiddle. Whereas Bristol-Myers tested its drug in a broad group of lung cancer sufferers, Merck limited its trials to smaller subsets of patients that it thought would be most likely to respond. In doing so, Merck limited the size of its commercial opportunity, but also reduced the chance of flunking a large clinical study. As a consequence, Keytruder has already been approved to treat a group of first-line lung cancer patients who have tumours that contain high levels of a protein known as PD-L1. This is thought to make them good candidates for checkpoint inhibitors. Now Merck could expand even further into the first-line market if the US Food and Drug Administration approves the use of Keytruder in combination with chemotherapy. The surprise submission in January was based on a study of 123 patients, which showed the cocktail of drugs shrank tumours in 55% of patients versus 29% for chemotherapy alone. Although the trial was small, 
The FDA often gives the nod to drugs based on limited data, especially when the patients who might benefit are very unwell. Analysts at Leerink believe an approval could help Keytruda to generate $3.8 billion of sales this year, more than doubling the level of revenues in 2016, and allowing Merck to quickly narrow Bristol-Myers's lead. Roche, the Swiss pharmaceuticals group, is also trialling its checkpoint inhibitor, Tecentric, in combination with various types of chemotherapy in more than 2,400 patients. It expects to publish data that might lead to an approval in the second half of this year. However, it is unlikely that any one of these combinations will provide a one-size-fits-all solution, according to Merck's top scientist, Dr. Roger Perlmutter. He says, What we are going to see is that different combinations will be more advantageous for different patients. This is personalised medicine. Dr. Perlmutter says that in an 80-year-old patient who was already suffering from other illnesses, the idea of giving them a very aggressive chemotherapy regime in combination with Keytruda doesn't make a lot of sense because the toxic side effects could prove intolerable. He says, In a patient who is an otherwise vigorous 45-year-old stricken with malignancy who has no other medical problems, you're going to be a lot more aggressive. To that end, Drug companies are running more than 800 clinical trials of combination drugs that include an immunotherapy, according to the Cancer Research Institute. They are testing the medicines alongside older treatments like radiotherapy, as well as newer experimental compounds. It is impossible to predict which will turn out to work best, as evidenced by Bristol-Myers' travails. Dr. Perlmutter recounts a story from October when senior scientists from Merck and Bristol-Myers ended up dining a few tables away from each other at a restaurant in Copenhagen, where they were attending a medical meeting. Merck scientists had just unveiled their successful trial, whereas Bristol-Myers had just published the full details of its failed Opdivo study. He recalls, I went over to see them, and they were so pleased, so congratulatory. I hope when the shoe is on the other foot as inevitably it will be, that I will be as gracious as they were. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc.